Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, it's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not this future that is terrifying, but our present. The Program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about The Program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and see you later. Hi everyone, Alex here with a couple of messages ahead of today's bonus episode. Firstly, just a quick warning. We realised after recording that we had answered so many questions that there was no way it would fit into one episode. With that in mind, we decided to split the Q&A into two parts. You can expect the second half next week, but it does mean today's episode ends slightly abruptly, so our apologies for that. Secondly, you'll no doubt have noticed that we've been running ads with the Magnus Archives for a while now. We always want this podcast to be free to listen to, so that means we need the extra income these adverts provide to help cover our production costs. As part of this process, we now need to provide some information about what kind of listeners we have so that we can get better paying adverts. And that's where you come in. If you head over to rustyquill.com or follow the direct link in the show notes, you'll find a short questionnaire to fill in. All information you provide is anonymous and you don't need to answer anything you don't want to. It's super easy and takes less than five minutes, but we would hugely appreciate it if you could take the time to fill it in. It's a great way to show us your support without spending any money, and it will genuinely help us to make more free content available in the future. That's everything for now, so thanks in advance from everyone at Rusty Quill, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode.
Hi, and uh, welcome to the Q&A at the end of Season 2. How are you feeling, Johnny? Relieved and eager. Eager? Raring to go at Season 3. Oh, well, you've changed your tune. None of, none of this, oh, what are we going to do? Uh, well, I mean, we've had a long discussion about what we're <laughs> going to do, uh, and it's... Ooh, it's nasty. <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> right, so we have quite a lot of questions to get through this time. Right, well, I will try to keep my so answers. So we are, we are going to be blasting through a number of questions. I'm going to try and keep them quick. And I apologise in advance. It's it's a running joke that I do not know how to pronounce, like, basic people names. So we'll I'll do the best I can. Sure. So this first question is from at Pluviosity on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Section 31 seems to be almost as shady as the archives. Will we ever hear from Basira again? Obviously, that's quite a spoiler-heavy question. I will say that Section 31 is uh, and Basira, the archive is certainly not done with them, but at the same time, they're probably... Section 31 is not going to be as much of a focus, as I think, as it was in Season 2. Yeah, fair enough. Um, moving on, I have a few from Canon Longshot. Sure. Are there any real-world people, aside from the single most obvious one, you, that any of the characters or statement-givers are based on? To be honest, John the Archivist is not actually that much like me, aside from sharing a name. But I don't really know. I think I generally tend to take aspects of either myself or people I know and then extrapolate them into characters. Well, you have a massive knack for taking every single person that we know who is both involved and not involved in production and stealing their names to make yeah, I'll take all their logistics names. a complete I'll take their nightmare. names uh, because I need a lot of names and you guys have some you guys have some fine names that I can have. <laughs> um, but in terms of the actual characters, uh, I tend to take elements of people I know and flesh them out rather than importing people wholesale. Yeah, I think that's a lot safer as well. Yeah. From from personal experience, there are very few people who, when they see themselves down on a page, go, oh, this is a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, especially if I'm going to kill them Especially if you're going to kill them horribly. Yeah, fair point. Okay. Um, will the Magnus theme tune be replaced by Band on the Run for the duration of season three? We couldn't get the licensing. Licensing's uh, really expensive. Or we, we tried Carry On My Wayward Son. Um, Walking in Memphis, but oh, you'd be yeah. surprised how few statements you can really get just um, from Memphis. I'm going to be doing uh, my own uh, cover of Band on the Run, a cappella, <laughs> uh, but we're still waiting to hear back from Legal on that one. As a percentage... How many of audience questions should we expect to be solved, in inverted commas, by the end of the show? Do you imagine it being sort of fairly open-ended with room for people to discuss, no one really knowing what's happening, or are we looking at a, a tight wrap-up? Oh, uh, that's a surprisingly tricky question. A lot of it depends on, I mean, especially uh, percentage-wise, a lot of it depends on how much um, store you put by smaller mysteries. I think most big questions will have either answers or closed discussions, mm. if that makes sense. I think there'll probably be a lot of competing theories about the exact nature of certain things that happen, but I don't think anyone's going to be walking away actively confused. But similarly, we couldn't answer every single red string yeah. and nuanced thing, because otherwise we, we the last season would just be Q&As. There wouldn't yeah. be any content left. Next question's from Isn Grim. I think mm -hmm. I'm saying that right. Was the thing that Lightning describes as having too many teeth and limbs like knives the same entity, or at least the same kind of entity, as the werewolf from Magnus 31? I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say that they're not the exact same entity, mm -hmm. but they're 
you could call them brothers. They are yeah, of yeah. the same uh, of the same ilk. Mm-hmm. Next one's from Kia. Where do you find well meet all of our incredible guest voice actors? So not 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 us then. To be honest, mainly people we know because for the first two seasons we haven't been in a position to really pay voice actors, and we're both I think very keen on professional work should be absolutely compensated sure luckily we both come from a very dramatic sort of background so we have a, a store of uh, people who we've been well we've been burning through them <laughs> no you've been killing them all i've been we've been burning them you've been burning them okay um another question again mm-hmm. from kia how have you felt about the fandom reacting to the major moments um as an example michael appearing for the first time I mean, generally beforehand, quite nervous. Uh, after the fact, gratified. Uh, so far, at least, because <laughs> whenever you have a, a big moment, a big reveal, there's always that sense of, what if they don't like it? What if they, mm. what if they take the wrong things away from it? What if I've got this big revelation and no one understands what's going on anymore? So far, every significant moment that's been like that, I've been absolutely overwhelmed by the reaction, though. See, from my perspective, I always think of it in terms of a game where you have your pieces and you have it set up and you think you know how it's going to play, but eventually you just kind of have to let it play out and hope. Yeah. And that's that's the scary bit, certainly, at my end. Next question's from Quinzelade. Mm-hmm. Does Johnny read the fan fiction we write about his show? Right. Well, uh, the short answer is no. The long answer is I did write at the very beginning when there wasn't a lot. A lot of this comes down to not wanting to inadvertently steal or indeed be uh, accused of it if uh, something that happens in the show is too close to something that happens in fan works. I mean, essentially, once there's more fan fiction than you can easily keep up with, it becomes sensible to just not read it because being influenced you don't want to be stealing other people's ideas and it's easier if somebody does say that happened in this fan work to be able to say that's a coincidence because we don't read them okay this question's from Mm -hmm. kelsey dawn scott okay and it's one i i personally you know feel quite strongly about right right is martin going to be okay (laughs) and i know the answer Um, to this one right well uh just to put this to bed once and for all no Martin is not going to be okay. I don't think anyone's going to be okay. I think that's, no, no, no that's one's going to be okay. How that's... horror works? No, but Martin especially, Martin especially. Stop saying things okay. like this. I'm going to move on from that. question. Yes, no, uh, please, please do. Next one is from Elise Tilema. Mm-hmm. How is the format of the show going to work now that the archivist is no longer in the archives? Since there are no statements, unless he finds them, is season three going to be more centred on the archivist just as a character, or will supporting cast fill his role at the Institute? I'm not going to get into this one in too much detail because it's got elements of spoilers for what will be happening Mm -hmm. in season three. Uh, I will say that the episodes will still primarily function as a standalone statement story with um, surrounding plot. And we've always said that. Absolutely. Um, It will... at least for the beginning part, be bouncing back between the archivist and the Institute. Uh, But I'm not going to say any more than that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In that case, sort of linked to that, actually, Mm -hmm. we have uh, Luigi Molinis. Sure. Are you planning for more unconnected foreign stories 
for example, things based in Asia, and basically spooks from other other countries because we've been quite obviously Western European. Yeah, we're very we're so very. Uh, I mean. England centric well, uh, to a certain yeah, yeah. degree, but uh, yes, I'm very much hoping to expand the scope of uh, the statements a bit. Realistically, it's always going to be uh, a minority for two reasons. Firstly, they take a lot longer to research and write mm-hmm. um, because these are not cultures that I myself am from. I am always acutely aware of potentially doing them a disservice there's a lot more time that needs to go into research and checking and just making sure that i'm doing them justice Mm. also to a certain degree whereas with a lot of your classic western monsters i feel in a position to take them and twist them a bit have a bit of fun with them see what uh see what i can do with them i'm never a hundred percent that comfortable with it has an appropriationist vibe. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to do that stuff with um, creatures from other cultures. So there's, uh, so the short answer is yes. I would. Uh, I'm very hopeful of going a bit more global in terms of our stories over the next few seasons. But the majority of the story is going to remain centred on uh, Britain, basically. Yeah. yeah. So tied to that is a question mm-hmm. that we get quite a lot, actually. Sure. Um, simple one, really. How much research do you do for each episode? Uh, it varies wildly. Um, usually I would say at least as much time as I actually spend writing the thing if it's not something that I myself have direct personal experience of I will generally do as much research as I can beforehand something like fatigue for instance didn't need to do any research at all I have not slept plenty Um, but anything where it's a a job or an experience I mean I've I've never been caving um, for Mm. instance and that was a, a lot of research. For instance, never been, never been diving, um, all this sort of stuff. So there, there's a lot of research. Never that goes been into locked it. in a space station. Uh, I mean, <laughs> define was, locked. Define locked. Time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not really a space station. It's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, another question here from Adriana Rojas. Mm-hmm. Are there any book plans in the mix? because we would all love to have another addition to libraries of forbidden books. I'm going to have to bounce this one to Alex a bit. Um, Certainly, I'm very keen to get uh, certainly the statements as they they have been broadcast and transcribed Mm -hmm. in a book format. Uh, In terms of wider or additional stuff, no current plans, but... Who knows? Sure. So sort of stepping in here to sort of talk about the Mm. wider picture, it's another one of those yes-no answers. Are we interested in this kind of thing? Well, yeah, like ob- obviously. But at the same time, it's a case of these things take a lot of infrastructure and a lot of time to set up. And similarly, we've said it before and we'll say it again, the archives were made for audio and were made for an audio format. And elements of that mean that you can't just, you can't copy and paste to a different medium. So yes, it's a thing we're interested in. No, it's not a thing that I can say guess what, this is happening next week. I am pretty confident that by the end of the Magnus Archives as a whole, we will be putting them out in some some form. Of yeah, I can, I can come down and say that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. This one's from Simon Freeston. Mm-hmm. Where do you get your inspiration for the monsters and the books? Everywhere. Um, literally everywhere. I am constantly aware that I need to find spooky ideas for things. And if any of my friends are listening to this... Any conversation I've had with you in the last two years, I've been secretly looking for spooks that I can steal from you. Okay, now this one's diving into a bit more of the meta. Sure. It's from Erin Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Will we learn more about Elias's history and motives? Yes. 
Good. Moving on. Ali Maloney, when are we going to get a live show? So this is one that I think I should probably yeah, step I'll, into I'll, again on the sort of logistics side. You, so we are hoping to do some live shows next year. I cannot go into more detail than that because, again, it takes massive amounts of time, effort, money, planning, and I don't want to start giving out times and dates and programs when things are still very much up in the air. Another question again from Ali Manoli. Mm-hmm. I'm massively impressed with Jonathan's writing and would love to know how he got to this point. Uh, what were you doing before the Magnus Archives? A question we've asked, answered again before. But, uh, I mean, the answer is writing a lot of stuff that I never finished. Um, I've always been doing some form of writing to one degree or another. Plus space piracy. Oh, and, oh yeah, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, the previously the most complete works I've done were with the mechanisms. Mm. Um, so uh, concept albums and it's, it's storytelling and lyrics. So while less voluminous <laughs> than the Magnus archives, um, there's still quite a lot of work and writing gone into that. Uh, aside from that, just a lot of unfinished projects and... Well, you design a lot of games as well, don't you? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that's when I'm procrastinating, my brain will often just start designing games um which is uh, interesting but irritating sometimes this next one's from daniel morals morales will you go further into the (laughs) story will you go further into the history of mary key and the magnus institute uh the magnus institute absolutely uh mary key yes to a certain degree uh but she's not going to be the focus yeah yeah this one's from steve bread via reddit Mm mm-hmm much of the exposition in the finale seemed to directly address fan theories about the wider story arc, especially all of the stuff about dimensions and gods and things like yep, that. Yep. Was this a deliberate nod to the Red String Brigade? As more of a complicated answer than it might seem at first. Um, on the one hand, yes, because the Magnus Archives, for all else it is, it has a lot of mystery elements. And I always feel with this sort of mystery, you owe it to those people who are invested in the mystery to play fair with them. When yep. you're revealing something, you want to be clear and if they have particular theories that you are aware of it's only fair to address those theories as directly as you can without breaking anything also there is the fact that within the world of the actual story john and martin i mean they are the red string brigade in the in the world they are trying to make those same connections they're trying to figure this they're literally getting a paycheck to do it yeah exactly (laughs) so it's very useful actually to have a group of people who are trying to figure these things out on the outside to look at and think, ah, that's what people think is going on at the moment. That's probably the sort of questions that the characters will be asking. I would tack onto that as a sort of additional thing, is that we're yeah. all we're all spending our time right now in a kind of golden story age, by which I mean we're all drowning in stories and content to consume yeah. and so on. But obviously as part of that is we're all trained to listen to stories now. And part of that is, I mean, I doubt anyone who's listening to the Magnus Archives has never heard a horror. And yeah. part of that is you are trained to think about these things in certain ways. These stories take certain shapes. So honestly, genuinely, as much as we have been sort of monitoring the meta, there, oh, is, yeah, there like... is an element when we started out where it was like, look, things that people are going to think are gods, dimensions. And, and like it's, it isn't a huge leap. It's more about the specificity, I'd yeah, say, the is stuff where the meta that's, comes um, in. The, the stuff that generally is a response to uh, the forums or the Tumblr or Reddit or this sort of stuff, is very rarely the wide-scale stuff, yeah. uh, like, oh, are they gods? Uh, is it different dimensions? It's generally the really specific stuff where someone 
um, on one of the message walls will have said, oh, wait, what happened to this character? And I'll think, oh, yeah, I've never actually, I've never actually specifically said what happened in that case. I'll drop a line or two in there just to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Another one from Steve Brad. Sure. So with this in mind and without giving anything away, can we say if there are any plot elements that haven't been as discussed as much as they probably should? To be honest, no. Uh, you guys are really on it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you really are. Your real problem is overthinking things. The number of times I've seen a, a, a theory that's like, oh, you figured it out then. And then the next one will be like, oh, no, that can't work. It does. So I uh, last question again from sure. Steve Bread. Uh, this one, again, I'm probably going to have to field is overall the voice acting for the series and this season, this latest season especially, has been excellent. Oh, thank you. Uh, and judging by some and of thank the... you on behalf of everyone else. Yes, and judging by some of the guest cast surnames, <clears throat> uh, we're guessing that you've relied a little bit on family and friends. But could we go into more detail about the casting process? Sure. So to pull back the curtain again, when we originally set this up, we didn't have a big infrastructure. No. We didn't have any kind of pipelines. It was very much us doing the best we could with what we had. And it, like I said, it relied a lot on previous contacts from theatre industry for me again friends who have been doing this that kind of thing however i would say going forward we are looking at formalizing um casting and so on however unfortunately for a few let's be honest quite obvious reasons it's not going to be open casting calls to any and all fans yeah. because a we will drown we will just drown under people who want to be involved which is absolutely like flattering but a logistical nightmare when you put the business hat on and the other element is as well as we've been saying we are trying to get this formalized in terms of um proper pay for uh professional actors and so on part of that i'm afraid is that going through standard channels which would be things like eventually we're looking at agencies mm -hmm. and um casting call networks rather than just putting out a general shout out i'm afraid yeah so this next question is obviously relating to a certain bit of poetry. The excerpt has uh, yeah. made its way in. Specifically, how would Martin fare in a Vogon poetry contest? I have a response here from Anil. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, because manager. the majority of the poetry isn't actually written by me. Um, Anil, who runs our uh, social media, is actually a poet. Um, and so we've we've drafted him in to do most of Martin's poetry overseen and I add a little bit here and there but most of it's his work so for all of the patrons out there you'll have already noticed that certain uh, extra bits of Martin's poetry have managed to make its way into the Patreon feed so if yep. you're not already su subscribed to it there's a really good reason but I do have there's Anil's... some aggressively mediocre poetry <laughs> on there I have Anil's answer here which is how would he fare? probably not well Martin's poetry is pleasantly middle of the road. It's not great, but it doesn't want to make you tear your ears off either. That said, Adel himself has placed second and third in genuine Vogon poetry slams. Which are a lot of fun if you ever get a chance to go to one. So, sort of, as an answer? Make of that what you will. I'm afraid part one of our Q&A episode ends there. Part two will be available next week, so until then, we really appreciate your patience. Thanks for listening. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, everyone. It's Kareem, the voice of Simon Fairchild and the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not this future that is terrifying, but our present. The Programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about The Programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and see you later.